1: Well, as I said during story time, our family has been watching the Olympics a lot. We've even been eating dinner in front of the TV, which is a thing we don't normally do, but like once every four years, right? I love the competition. I love the pageantry. I love the stories of the athletes who have overcome so much and worked so hard. And I love the one more thing I'm not used to having to do outdoors. I love uh, the communities that are there to support the athletes and the stories of the communities. Um, So many of you have probably already seen the picture of um, the school uh, in Alaska that was cheering as one of their schoolmates won a gold medal unexpectedly. They've shown that about a thousand times since then, so I know that you've seen it. If you haven't, you will over the next like eight years. I love the Olympics. I love uh, all of the new competitions. In every Olympics, there's some new sport that gets added this year. It's skateboarding and several other things that have been added. And every year, as the, every Olympics, I hear people complaining about the new sports. Why is skateboarding an Olympic event? Why? It's surfing. Surfing. What even is sport climbing? As though the complainers seem to think that the Olympics used to be this pure thing, and now it's been sullied by the addition of all these new sporting events. Como muchos de ustedes nuestra familia ha estado viendo Juegos Olímpicos. Me encanta la competencia y el boato, las historias de los atletas que han trabajado tan duro y los comunidades que los animan. Cada Olimpiada hay nuevas competiciones. Este año se agregaron patinetas. Is that skateboarding? español? patinetas. Oh, nice y varios otros deportes nuevos. Y siempre hay gente que se se queja de los nuevos deportes. ¿Por qué patinetas es un deporte olímpico? Surfing, que es incluso la escalada deportiva. Los quejosos parecen pensar que los Juegos Olímpicos salían por ser puros. Y ahora se han visto mancillados por la incorporación de estos nuevos eventos deportivos. But of course, if we wanted to keep the Olympics pure, we'd have to change a lot. Goodbye, boxing and basketball and volleyball. Hello to uh, croquet. That was one of the original Olympic sports. Tug of war. That would be fun to have back. Uh, Are you ready? Motorboating. They used to have a motorboating Olympic medal. And if you really wanted to be pure about it, of course, you'd go back to the ancient Greek origins and, and use those kinds of competitions. And if we did that, then we'd also have to get rid of clothing for the athletes. And it would only be men competing. But, of course, the purpose of the Olympics to bring together competitors from around the world, fostering athletic competition and international cooperation, that's never really changed. The Olympics adapt a bit to the world around them, and add, the adding and removing of sports is a part of that process of adaptation. Pero si quisiéramos uh, mantener los Juegos Olímpicos puros, tendríamos que cambiar mucho. Adiós boxeo y baloncesto y voleibol. Podríamos traer un vuelta del uh, croquet y tierra y afloja, y la negación al motor. Si realmente quisiera ser puro al respecto, podríamos volver a antiguos orígenes griegos de los Juegos Olímpicos y agregar esas competencias. Por supuesto, entonces tendríamos que eliminar la ropa de los atletas, y solo tendríamos compet- uh, competidores masculinos pero su propósito de los Juegos Olímpicos modernos reunir uh, a competidores de todo el mundo, fomentar la competencia atlética y la cooperación internacional no ha cambiado realmente. Los Juegos Olímpicos se adaptan al mundo que los rodea, y agregar y eliminar deportes es parte de este proceso de de adaptación. This passage from... Ephesians is really rich. We could spend probably a few weeks digging into these 16 verses and discovering some and rediscovering some foundational ideas about the church. But this morning, I'm going to invite you to just reflect on two of those the way that the church is called to unity in order to reflect God's unity, and the importance of maturity and faith to keep us from being blown about. By every shifting wind of doctrine. Este pasaje de Efesios es muy rico. Podríamos pasar algunas semanas investigando este texto y redescubriendo algunas ideas fundamentales sobre la Iglesia. Pero esta mañana, concentrémonos en dos cosas: la forma en que la Iglesia está llamada a la unidad para reflejar la unidad de Dios y la importancia de maduras en la fe. Para evitar que nos deje llevar por los vientos cambiantes de la doctrina. So the author of Ephesians, who's probably not Paul himself, but one of Paul's disciples writing in Paul's name, the author emphasizes the unity of God, who is, as that passage says, over all, in all, through all. And the church is called to reflect that unity of God. We are one body called to share one faith, one Lord, one hope, one baptism. If you know what song we're going to sing later without looking, based on our scripture reading, bonus points. But we need to clearly understand what this divine unity looks like. It is not uniformity. It is not everyone being the same. It is, in fact, in our very diversity of our gifts and our calling that the body is strengthened. This is a theme that the epistles echo again and again and again. Diversity is not some modern idea imposed on the church by the world, nor is it some kind of pleasant bonus that we can strive after once we've gotten the more important things figured out. Diversity is at the very heart of the church. It is God's design for the church. (inaudible) El autor de Efesios, probablemente no es el mismo Pablo, sino uno de sus discípulos, escribiendo en su nombre, enfatiza la unidad de Dios que está sobre todos, en todos y través de todos. Y la iglesia está llamada a reflejar esa unidad de Dios. Somos un cuerpo. Llamados a compartir una fe, un Señor, una esperanza, un bautismo. Sin embargo, necesitamos entender claramente cómo de esta unidad divina. No es una formalidad, Todos son iguales y son mismos. Después de todo, es la diversidad misma de nuestros dones y llamados que el cuerpo se fortalece. Ese es el, un, uh, un tema uh, que los epístolas repiten una y otra vez. La diversidad no es una idea moderna impuesta a la iglesia por el mundo, tampoco es un ventaje agradable, algo por lo que es una vez que tenemos las cosas más importantes resueltas. No, la diversidad es el corazón de la iglesia, es el diseño de Dios para la iglesia. So in our diversity, our unity is grounded not in being the same, but in love. The purposeful, committed care of one another. Our unity is not about superficial sameness, but about the direction we move together toward a more just and righteous community. Justice is what love looks like in public. So if the church is called to live with unity and a diversity, why does it so often seem like celebrating diversity and multiculturalism is a new thing? Why is it that the church remains so deeply divided when it comes to ethnicity, culture, language? Ephesians has an answer for us. Grow up into a mature faith, says the author, so that you are not blown about by the wind of every new doctrine that comes your way. Grow up so that no one deceives you by their scheming. Nuestra unidad se basa en el amor, el cuidado decidido y comprometido de los demás. Nuestra unidad no se trata de una iglesi- uh, igualdad superficial sino de la dirección en la, que, en, en la que nos movemos juntos, hacia una comunidad más justicia y recta. Justicia es amor en público. Pero si la Iglesia está llamada a vivir con unidad y nuestra diversidad, ¿por qué parece que celebrar la diversidad y el multiculturalismo es algo nuevo? Por qué la Iglesia por más se tan profundamente debida en lo que respecta al ori- origen étnico, et- la cultura y lo- el idioma. Efíscios tiene una respuesta para nosotras. Crecer un, una fe madura para, para que no se deje llevar por el viento al canto candente doctrina que se le presente. Crece para que nadie te engañe con sus intrigas. The maturity of faith that we are called to keeps us connected to the call that we have to reflect the nature of God in our communal life. How did the church end up with so filled with divisions? Why is it that we are just now working to bring congregations together across ethnic and cultural and language differences? We need to remember, first of all, that we have, there have always been faith communities who have been committed to reflecting the beautiful diversity of God's people but that we Methodists and most U.S. denominations have not been faithful in that way. We United Methodists are divided because we failed to follow the call that God placed on the church. For most of our denomination, white supremacy became the idol we worshipped. We chose to ignore the clear call of the church in order to maintain social and economic and political power for some people over others. Madurez en la fe mantiene, conectados con el llamado que tenemos, reflejar la naturaleza de Dios y nuestra vida comunitaria. ¿Cómo terminó la iglesia tan llena de divisiones? ¿Por qué estamos solo ahora trabajando para unir una, a las congregaciones a través de las diferencias étnicas, culturales y lingüísticas? En primer lugar, debemos recordar que siempre ha habido comunidades de fe Que se han comprimido a reflejar la diversidad del pueblo de Dios, pero nosotros, los metodistas y la mayoría de las denominaciones, Estados Unidos, en los hemos hecho. En segundo lugar, los metodistas unidos estamos divididos porque no seguimos el llamado que Dios puso en la Iglesia. Para la mayor parte de nuestra denominación, la supremacía blanca se convirtió en el idolo que adoramos. Decidimos ignorar el claro llamado de la iglesia para mantener el poder social, económico y político de unas personas sobre otras. And even as our nation has been slowly moving towards more equality and justice, justice, the church has often convinced itself that dividing along ethnic and cultural and language lines was for the best. After all, isn't that the best way to grow a church? To let people be comfortable in familiar social situations? To keep things uniform so that our energy isn't devoted to dealing with the challenges of working in multicultural, bilingual settings so that we can focus on more spiritual matters. I hope you realize that the answer is no. That is not the way to grow the church. For centuries, for centuries, the church has been blown about by the doctrines of the world. White supremacy is the world's doctrine. It is not God's design for the church. Uniformity, being together only with people that are like us, is, God, is not God's design for the church. Diversity of the body across social status, across gender, across language, across ethnicity. This is clearly and obviously laid out in the Gospels and the Epistles. It is the hallmark of the early church that they stepped across the borders and boundaries that divided them. But along the way, large swaths of the church failed to be mature enough in faith to resist the doctrines that run counter to the gospel. A pesar de que nuestra nación se ha movido lentamente hacia la igualdad, la iglesia a menudo se ha convencido a sí misma de que diversi, uh, dividirse por líneas étnicas, culturas y lingüísticas era lo mejor. Después de todo, no es, es la mejor manera de hacer crecer la iglesia. Permitir que las personas se sientan cómodas y situaciones sociales y familiares. Mantener las cosas uniformes para que nuestra energía no se dedique a lidiar con los desafíos, desafíos, desafíos de trabajar en entornos multiculturales y podamos enfocarnos en asuntos más espirituales. Espero que se dé cuenta de que la respuesta es No. Durante siglos, estas doctrinas del mundo nos, nos han impresionado. La supremacía blanca no es el diseño de Dios para la iglesia. La uniformidad no es el diseño de Dios para la iglesia. La diversidad del cuerpo a través del estatus uh, social, el género, el idioma, la uh, etnia. Esto se establece claramente en los evangelios y los epistolas es el sello distinto de la iglesia primitiva pero a lo largo del camino grandes a la, franjas de la iglesia no alcan alcanzaron la madurez suficientemente en la fe para resistir estos doctrinos que van el contra de evangelio evangelio instead of focusing on the unity of love in the church we let the church focus on the uniformity of our skin color of our language, of our culture. What a loss. What a failure. What a sin. But, thanks be to God, that is not the end of our story. Here in Hillsborough and in places all across the church, the Spirit is moving, renewing that call to be a diverse, united this is not a call to take on some new doctrine it is a call to reject the doctrines that have scarred the body of christ for centuries this is not a new idea this is a thing we're getting back to that was part of the church in the first century it is a call to address the harm that we have done to the body of christ and to return to god's design for the church it is a call to be holy as god is holy and that holiness can only happen when we reflect the diversity of the God we profess to serve. In lugar de enfocarnos en la unidad del amor, nos enfocamos en la uniformidad de nuestro color de piel, y de nuestro idioma y nuestra cultura. ¡Qué, fracos, qué fracaso! ¡Qué perdida! ¡Qué pecado! Pero gracias a Dios, este no es el final de nuestra historia. Aquí en Ellsboro y en muchos otros lugares, el espíritu se mueve. Renovar ese llamado a ser un cuerpo unido y diverso, este es un llamado a asumir una nueva doctrina. Es un llamado a rechazar las doctrinas que han marcado el cuerpo de Cristo durante siglos. Es un llamado a abordar el daño que los hemos hecho al cuerpo y volver al diseño de Dios. Para la iglesia es un llamado a ser santos como Dios es santo, y esa santidad sólo puede suceder cuando reflejamos la diversidad de Dios a que profesamos servir. En otra epístola, Pablo escribe que en Cristo no hay judío ni griego, esclavo ni libre, varón ni mujer. Si eso es cierto, ¿por qué pensaríamos? que Dios quiere que nos dividamos en español e inglés. No, amo, no, hermanos en Cristo, estamos llamados a una diversidad unida de personas. Estamos llamados a derribar los fronteras y límites que dividen el cuerpo. Estamos llamados a ser una tribu santa de Spanglish. ¿Sí? Y eso es solo el comienzo. Qué alegría estar juntos. Finalmente, después de tanto tiempo, qué alegría comenzar a ver uh, lo que Dios espera para nosotros. Ser un cuerpo unido en amor, fortalece- fortalecido en nuestra diversidad y reflejando la bondad de Dios. Nuestro llamado no es fácil, pero es santo. In another epistle that you know well, Paul writes that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female sounds familiar yes why is it if paul says that in christ that there is no division in those ways why would we think that god wants us divided into spanish speakers and english speakers brothers and sisters we are called to a united diversity of people we are called to knock down the borders and the boundaries that divide the body we are called to be a holy spanglish tribe and Spanglish is just the beginning. What a joy it is to be together. After so long, how good it is to see, uh, begin to see what God hopes for us. To be a body united in love, strengthened in diversity, and reflecting the goodness and beauty of the God we serve. Our calling is not easy. Learning new languages and new cultures is hard. See? Es muy difícil. But it is holy work, my friends. And that is the good news. Thanks be to God.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to The Message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.